Merry Christmas. It's nice to have an extra day, isn't it? <laughs> so we're looking at Mark 13, and, and I just appreciate so much the music, Phil, your testimony as well, the focus on hope. And that's why I wanted to look at Mark 13 today. This is teaching uh, that Jesus had. is called the Ovalet Discourse. He did it on the Mount of Olives. He spoke these words on the Mount of Olives. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all refer to this discourse, this teaching of Jesus that's recorded in their Gospels. So that's a clue. That's a clue that Jesus, that God, wants us to hear these words and be reminded of them. And it's, and it's a perfect time when we celebrate Jesus' first coming. At that very moment, we think about the hope of his second coming, even though there, there's years and years between them. So Jesus wanted his disciples and even the curious crowds that were following him, them, if, he happened to, if they happened to be there that day when he was teaching, to remind them, to show them, to, to tell them they needed to know and consider his second coming and to be ready. He came humbly the first time as a deliverer to rescue us from sin's enslavement, to, to give us hope so that we wouldn't have to worry about eternally being lost or separated, uh, knowing that there's life that's coming that's better because our Creator's compassionate and glorious. It's appropriate when we celebrate each Christmas to think about Jesus' return all year, to be ready. Are you ready for 2022? What's ahead? Who knows? But we can be ready and invigorated to trust and obey Jesus more when we think about his coming again. Ready as Christ followers to be a little wiser, wise as serpents and gentle as doves in this world because people need to hear about the hope that Christ came to bring. Living wisely to help others turn from their destructive paths, their paths that they don't know they're leading them away rather than to the kingdom of God. Make it more personal. Are you ready for Jesus to meet him in person? That's a serious question, a serious issue. Are you ready to meet him when death happens? Because that could happen any day for us. Or if he returns in our lifetime. You know, so many were unprepared when Jesus came the first time. They, they, they weren't ready to meet him. They weren't ready to, uh, to consider who he was and what he came to do. So we need to be ready. So it's appropriate to, in our sermon title, stay awake. Stay awake. Keep awake. Concerning Jesus' return, uh, Jesus' discourse really covers three different sections. So I want to look at it that way this morning. The first part is this. Watch for earthly signals. Uh, Phil didn't read them, but the first 23 verses deal with earthly signals of Jesus' return. Uh, look at verse 1 of chapter 13 of Mark. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another, that will not be thrown down. 
And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, and then he goes on. But let's take a pause for a moment. Just remember the second temple, and this is the second temple, the first temple had been destroyed by the Babylonian invasion way, way back in five, uh, yeah, I forget the date off the top of my head, but several hundred years before. And finally, King Herod, as bad as a king he was in many regards, he spent 40 years plus rebuilding the temple and making it glorious. It was considered one of the great wonders of the world, something worth traveling to to see. It was an amazing building. And as a matter of fact, the expansion project went on for 40 years and it was never really finished before it was destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman soldiers because of a Jewish revolt. So the disciples looked at this temple and thought, wow, Jesus is here because they believed he was the Messiah. This must be the temple that, that's going to usher in God's kingdom. And Jesus surprised them, and they were surprised by a statement that it was going to be destroyed. That not one stone would be left on the other. And I've never seen that temple. Some of you have seen the Wailing Wall. Those stones are huge. I happen to know that they're like the size of a 40-foot train boxcar, which I'm into trains, so I know what that looks like. Wow, they're huge stones. How did they even move them there? But that's another issue. So the disciples asked, when will this happen, Jesus? When is this temple going to be destroyed? What are the signs that it's about to happen? And Jesus answers them in verses 5 through 23. He talks about his return in glory to establish the kingdom. He's talking about God's kingdom will come when he returns. So we need to be aware of this. And Jesus' main point isn't about dates, about when it's going to happen as much as be ready for it to happen. Are we ready? He's warning his disciples to break away from the temple's domain. You know, the temple was a thing that God made to be holy and good worship could happen in the temple. It wasn't a bad place. But the issue is that Jesus is greater. His sacrifice takes away sin once for all. Not the sacrifices that happened every day in the temple. But Jesus' sacrifice was the once-for-all sacrifice that could take away the sins of the whole world. Sufficient it is. Jesus is now living in believers, so we become, those who trust in Christ become, a living temple, the holy temple. So it's not the building that's so important, but it's the people of God who believe in him, his followers, that are the holy thing to be set apart to show off God's glory. He dwells in us. So Jesus is warning his disciples not to be too attached to a physical building, but be attached to the God that they worship. You know, we just sold a building, didn't we? Or what about this place? I mean, good worship and holy things, godly things can happen in a place. Geography is important to human beings. 
It's going to be that way in heaven. Geography is important. It's real. It's, it's physical. And yet we can't be overly attached even to this place. We need to be more attached to the Savior. And Jesus wants us to know that. So think about his coming. Now in his teaching in verses 5 through 23, there's a chiasmus, and, and uh, Mark's going to put it up on the, on the screens for you. Just Jesus breaks this down, and it's kind of neat, and there's things that are repeated, and it helps us understand what God wants us to know. And, and the first point in verses 5 through 6 is be careful or watch out for deceivers. Uh, that's the NIV word, watch. Uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version, is be on your guard about deceivers. And he talks about deceiving messiahs who would come. In verse 6, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. But don't be careful. And then he talks about international wars and natural disasters. And he says, uh, be careful, watch, and then hear. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars and do not be alarmed. This must take place for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. That's verses 7 and 8. And then look at what he says in verses 9 through 13. But be on your guard. There's that repeated word. Watch, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogue. So he said, watch out. There's going to be persecutions in verses 9 through 13. There's going to be persecutions from religious groups. There's going to be persecutions from secular groups, people who aren't uh, don't believe in the true God. Uh, all these groups are going to be after you. And then he talks about persecution from family members. Fathers will be against children. Children will be against their parents. Brothers will deliver brothers over to death. And the father's child and children will rise up against their parents to put them to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow, persecution. So endure it. Know your task. Know our message. Enduring is not belief, but enduring in the faith proves that you really believe. And then he goes on again to repeat back to that B point, Judean war and the abomination in verses 14 through 20. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the hill housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it will not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not shortened those days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. Watch. The abomination of desolations is a reference to the book of Daniel. 
It's an unholy sacrifice that takes place in the presence of God. I don't have time today, it's not my intent today to explain all those things, but we know that happened back in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes during the intertestament period when the Greeks were ruling over there. He sacrificed a pig in the temple. The Jews revolted against that at the time of the Maccabees. It's all there in history. If you want to read about it, it's worth doing. We believe there's going to be at least a, another key abomination of desolation. I believe in the future when the Antichrist comes and sets up some kind of idol or worship that's an abomination to God, that offends God. And Jesus reminds us again at the end of this dissertation, this section of it, watch out for deceivers. Be on your guard. I have told you, Jesus says, and I just want you to know that's Jesus speaking, not me. I have told you. You've been warned, so we need to listen. He's told us these things so that in every generation, believers will not be deceived, that they will have firm trust in Christ so that they won't quit or give up. I think for a while we've given up. We've kind of thrown up our hands and said it's just going to go downhill and we can't stop it. Well, that might be the case, and yet <laughs> it's not going downhill totally. <laughs> Jesus knows us. He knows we're weak. He knows us sheep, so he warns us. Don't get deceived by counterfeit saviors. Don't get deceived by the, the lure of the world. Trust me. Don't get lackadaisical about your mission to make disciples. That's the job that you have. Don't lose hope. Hey, don't sell your stuff and go sit on a high mountain waiting for Jesus to come back. <laughs> People have done that through the, through the years. That's not what we're called to do. There's work for us to do. Have you ever thought about World War I? I mean, it was called the Great War because people then, after it was over, believed that that would be the last World War. That was a joke, huh? What a false idea. And then it was World War II just 20 years later, and it was even worse. It must have seemed like the end of the world was coming in the middle of it, but it wasn't. In my short little life, I've never been so disturbed by the political situation in my nation where I live and worried and concerned about it. It's a little feel fearful, and yet, here's what Jesus is telling us. Be aware. Be on guard. Watch. Birth pains are happening. Know Jesus' instructions and follow them. Never doubt God's sovereign rule over the world. Stand firm with the risen Christ. <laughs> He stands with all the look, who look to him in faith. Where Jesus is, that's where his servants are going to be. So if you're a follower of Christ today, the Messiah, the promised one, then you will be standing with him in glory. That's his promise to you. So in that regard, have hope. We can stand firm. We need not be totally thrown into dismay and hands up without hope. And we become Christ's servants 
by believing in him, that he is the final sacrifice for our sins. We follow him by God's grace, by God's power. It's a work of God. So Jesus in this first section, the first 23 verses, gives us this overview of the troubles that are going to be coming on the world. He says it's just birth pains. Now it's been going on since Jesus taught this for about 2,000 years. So we know it's obvious that Jesus' returns a little closer now than it was 2,000 years ago. So it's closer. These are birth pains. And then he comes to the second part of his teaching in verses 24 through 27. But in those days after the tribulation, that tribulation. So there's a tribulation that came for believers of Christ, followers of Christ up to 70 AD. In those days, it's an Old Testament term that's speaking about end times and it indicates that things seem to become more difficult for saints as these troubles come. That doesn't mean Christ's kingdom is losing. It's just, it's always growing bigger. It's, it's growing like a mustard seed. It's growing like, uh, spreading like yeast in dough. You don't see it, but God's kingdom's coming, but it's not here yet in its fullness. And there are gaps between God's prophecy. Even in Isaiah chapter nine, that, that great Christmas passage that we read uh, every year at Christmas, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And upon his shoulders, the government of God will rest. But that kingdom, it's here, it's growing, but it's not here in its fullness yet. So there's time gaps between God's prophecy coming true. He's covered lots of centuries here. But that doesn't mean that it's not coming. So Jesus says, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels, angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So this is part two of his instructions. Watch Concerning my return, Jesus says, watch for one, earthly signs, earthly signals that say there's birth pains coming. Secondly, watch for cosmic signals. That means it's even closer, that Jesus is at the gates or at the door. Jesus' will re Jesus's return is going to be obvious. <laughs> there's no hidden return of Jesus. There's no invisible return of Jesus. When Jesus comes back the second time, the world will know and he will be delivering his chosen ones, his believers, his children. Behold, the Apostle Paul wrote, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Have you ever seen that sign hung up on a nursery door in a church? <laughs> That's a great mis uh, mission statement for nursery workers. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. <laughs> but it's not talking about nursery duty. It's talking about when Christ comes back. Hopeful reality for believers in Christ 
And that should change how we approach our living and even our dying. Are you ready to move on into the next world? This is called the blessed hope. Blessed hope for those living through terrible days, like in 70 AD. The Christians fled because of what they saw coming. They listened to Jesus's words. The Romans were coming and oppressing. It was a great tribulation and they fled the city. They did what he said. And I believe in the book of Revelation, there's a description of that happening again. But the grief that we experience is trumped by what Jesus promises us. Kara mentioned it already. Many of you are grieving the loss of loved ones recently passed away. In the holidays, Christmas season, the New Year, Thanksgiving, it all brings the reality that they're not there hard into our hearts, and we feel it. But for those who know Christ, who follow him, who trust in him, there's hope. How many times... Have you heard this passage read at a funeral? Believe it, let me read it again. But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming again. It changes how I approach death. I need not fear it as much because I'm going to be alive again and meet and know literally others who've gone on before me, friends, relatives, other believers that I haven't met yet. We will be together with the Lord. And it gives me hope to live differently now knowing that my labor's not in vain, that standing up here and preaching today is not a waste of time. That it will stir faith. It'll lead others to believe. So hold on to this truth that there's hope for the future and let it be a compass for 2022. So Jesus talks about three parts in this Ovalet Discourse. There's signs about the the temple's destruction, but it also seems to uh, lean over into the end times when the Antichrist is here and just before Jesus comes back. But there's signs that this trouble's coming. And then he talks about signals in the heavens, and and we know that hasn't happened yet. The the sun and moon haven't been darkened and and stars aren't falling from the skies, but we know it's got to be closer. So Jesus gives specifics to his disciples about events that are coming. We don't know how many disciples were even alive in 70 AD. We know John was, the Apostle John, but the others we don't know. And there's different interpretations about how how all this is going to unfold, but know this, (laughs) it's going to happen. 
And then Jesus in the second part talks about events just immediately before he comes back. And how does he wrap things up? He gives an application for me and for you. That's the third part. Concerning Jesus' return, watch yourself. Be on guard yourself. Look at verses 28 through 37. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. So he talks about, two, talks about being ready by two parables. So difficult times have always been a part of, of God's people's lives. And before his triumph, Jesus suffered terribly. So we can kind of believe that before his second triumph, things are going to get tough for his people as well. There are evil spirits, spiritual beings that work against God, but their schemes are going to fail. Jesus has overcome them, and those who trust in him are overcoming them too. But Jesus wants us to be ready. So look at the fig tree. If you were alive during the times leading up to the temple's destruction in 70 AD, there were warning signs that this was coming. Be aware. If you're alive just before Jesus' second return, there's going to be signs for you to see to be aware. Signs are there for you to see that Jesus is near and to be ready. So Jesus' word about the temple came true. So let's be ready. When you see, when the fig tree starts to get tender branches, they're not dead looking. When there's new leaves popping out, you know summer's coming. It's the same way with Jesus' return. You know his return is close. Parable number two. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. No one knows the time when Jesus is coming back. So ignore those who say they know. Some of them excuse themselves by saying, I might mention the year, but I don't say the day or the hour. That's not the point. The point here isn't knowing the time. The point is being ready and being watchful at the door. It's like a man going on a journey. And when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not, do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Don't get caught by surprise. Don't be foolish. Got to believe that Jesus is the master in this picture and that we, those he leaves behind who believe in him, are his servants. And what does he tell us? Four times he tells me to what? Stay awake. Keep awake. Don't miss the message. How's the old American dream going for you? the USA American dream. <laughs> Jesus is telling us that it's not going to stay. That it's not permanent. 
As a matter of fact, God's dream for humanity is so much bigger than the American dream. Liberty, God's plan is for liberty from sin, from all its wickedness, from all its evil, from all its negative effects. Jesus came not so we could be comfortable, content, but to be discontent until God's kingdom is here and discontent until we start to live out some of that kingdom while we prepare for his coming. Jesus died to make a way for us to live for God, not to just be content until we get to be with him. And we need to become kingdom, uh, kingdom citizens by believing in him. And, you know, all of history is headed toward Christ. He's the creator. All things were made by him and for him. He's the be all and the end all. And when we remember that, as Paul said to Titus, for the grace of God has appeared, that is Jesus Christ, bringing salvation for all people and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's God's dream for you and for me, for us individually and corporately. Do you have a good eschatology? Do you know what eschatology is? It's the study of end times. It's good to have a good end time understanding. And Jesus is telling us these things so that we know what's coming so we live right now. Good beliefs about last things. So think about Jesus's truth and what he's created you to be and to do. I mean, why are you here? Why am I alive? What has Jesus called us to do? I love that little insert in the bulletin. Look at it again and let it stir what we might do to be busy with God's kingdom work now in 2022. Knowing what Jesus says about the future keeps us on target on our mission, making more and better disciples wherever we are. Do you believe what Jesus says about the future? Do you believe Jesus might be at the gate? If you do, it's going to change how we worship. Not just when we are here singing and, and worshiping and praising, that's a good thing, but our words will be matched more and more by our living if we really believe Jesus could come at any time. If we believe Jesus is returning, maybe soon, maybe in our lifetime, it'll change how we pray. It'll make our prayers a little more in walking in step or matching God's heart. Urgency for the lost, compassion for those going astray. Grace is going to fill our request for those who hate us when we pray for them. Not meanness, not get rid of them, but Lord, change them. Use us to help them change. 
If we believe Jesus might come back soon, when we read and study God's word, we're going to respond to it differently. We're going to say, wow, this is serious. I'm not following God well here. I'm not following. I'm not being as godly as God saved me to be or, or has the grace and the power to help me be. I'm going to, I'm going to work hard by his power and grace to become more like Christ. I'm going, to get, I'm going to have a deeper desire if I believe Jesus is coming back to use my skills and the talents that God's given me to build up his kingdom to become a better communicator of the gospel. To be wise in how I speak to people, to know the culture. If I believe Jesus is, gonna, is coming back soon, my heart is going to go out. Not from a distance, but I'm going to get near the stranger, the lonely. The rich and the poor that are downtrodden. Can rich people be downtrodden? Yeah, because they're ensnared by their riches and entrapped and enslaved by them so that they can hear and believe and turn away from lesser things to God's better things. Four times Jesus says, stay awake. So many were asleep when he came the first time. They were distracted by life, by its cares, by its pleasures, by its attractions, by its troubles, by the politics of the day, by the taxes. They were distracted and they missed receiving the new life of forgiveness, the message of hope that God sent. They were looking in the wrong way, the wrong places. Don't miss God's salvation. Believe and stay awake. Jesus is coming again and he will rescue everyone who trusts in him so that they will be where he is and he will judge everyone who refuses to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus wants us to know this, these truths about his second coming so we believe in his salvation, so we have courage to persevere through life's trials and troubles, so we see a future with Christ knowing that he loves us and we're secure, so we are relentless in pursuing the lost, that we're relentless in watching the door. In his testimony today, Phil mentioned about how the pandemic has reminded us that even though we technology and our knowledge helps. Every time we fix something, it seems, something else seems to break. Failure. We never quite get it. I have to chuckle. Uh, I read this little article, this little illustration about failure. I didn't know this. But this writer says, the prize for the most useless weapon of all times goes to the Russians. I don't know, we might be in there somewhere. <laughs> they invented the dog mine. The plan was to train the dogs to associate food with the undersides of tanks in the hope that they would run hungrily beneath the advancing panzer divisions of the Germans during World War II, and with bombs strapped to the dogs' backs, they would destroy the tanks. Unfortunately, the dogs associated food solely with Russian tanks and the plan backfired, and a whole, a whole division retreated on the first day and was never used again. But that's a picture of we humans. 
good ideas or what we think are good ideas. We're going to fix this and then it doesn't fix anything, but it fails again and again. So stay awake. Christmas time is a time to remember that Jesus is coming again, just like he promised he would come the first time and he did as a deliverer. He's coming a second time as Lord and King and we need to be ready. He's coming again to set things right. So look up, be ready, stay awake, watching at the door, doing what you know Jesus wants us to do. More fervent as we see the day approaching because it's closer than it was yesterday. It could be tomorrow. It could be this afternoon. Are we ready? Let's pray. Lord, help us to keep awake. Lord, by your mercy and grace, fill us with hope. Give us faith to persevere, to believe it when you say that those who trust in you are going to meet you in the clouds and be with you forever with all the people they know and love who've trusted in you. Oh Lord, give us faith to believe it and to live differently because it's true that your coming is near. Help us to walk closely, even today in this new year, so that others can know the joy, the peace, and the hope that Christ is coming to save us. We pray this all for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.